Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You might be surprised at St. Paul's words today in his letter to the church in Philippi. Here's what he says. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is game. It's the year 60 AD, 60 AD. And the Apostle Paul had been imprisoned again, this time in Rome. He's in a prison, he's in Rome. And while in prison, Paul doesn't sit there miserable saying, Wow, this isn't fair. I labored all this time for the gospel and here I sit in a gulag, right? Never once comes out in his letter, in his letters. Uh, he's writing instead to various churches, including the church in Philippi. You might not know a lot about Philippi, so let's talk about it just briefly. City in Macedonia, the northern part of Greece. And Paul had gone to that area on his second missionary journey when he crossed over from Asia Minor into Europe. And Philippi is one of the first places that Paul traveled. It's one of the first places that he went. And if you want to read about some of the stuff that happened in Philippi, you can do so in Acts chapter 16, where there are accounts of the conversion of Lydia, Paul and Silas in jail, the conversion of the jailer at Philippi. All of that, that missionary journey was just the start, was the start of his relationship with those who are in Philippi. And from the beginning, it was a good partnership. They had a good relationship with Paul and the congregation, as you might expect, grew under his pastoral care. Again, though, uh, as Paul is in prison, his concern is not about himself. His focus is on the churches, including those in Philippi. So he writes and he encourages them in their life of faith. And he thanks them for sending him support over the years during his travels. And when he writes to them, it is an uncertain time. It's a little bit of a there, there's an unknown factor there. He does not know what the outcome of his imprisonment will be. No idea. He could be released. He could be executed. It could go either way. And Paul is ready, whichever way that it goes. Live or die, it's all good. You might say, what? What? That's the peace that only a Christian can truly know. Because the Lord had blessed Paul immensely with fruitful labor, right? It's the Lord working through Paul. Had blessed him with fruitful labor as he proclaimed sins forgiven and eternal life in Christ. Not only to the various congregations, but during his imprisonment, right? It's not about him. It's about Christ. And it's about what Christ has done for others, for him to live as Christ. 
It's not about him. It's about others. So he's thinking about others, including those in the churches, and the imperial guard who know little to nothing of Jesus at all. The Lord had blessed Paul with fruitful labor. If he's killed, well, that's all good, too, because he knows his sins have been forgiven. That by grace and God's undeserved favor, he will be welcomed by the Lord. He will go to be with the Lord, which is better by far. To die is gain, he writes. And if he's released, we haven't talked about that, then he hopes to come and visit the Philippians once again, which will be refreshing for him and a blessing for them. It's a win-win situation all around. Wherever he is, wherever he's at, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is Christ for the benefit of neighbor and the glory of God, to die is gain for him. And whether in prison or free, Paul has this attitude toward others, this pastoral attitude towards the Philippians and to others. And he will continue his ministry for the sake of those whom he's around uh, as long as he's alive. Convinced of this, he says, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Progress. And joy. That's what proclaiming Christ, living in Christ, is all about. It was true back then. It's true now. Do you ever think about that? That God wants you to make progress in the Christian faith. To grow and mature in the faith. And that this is a lifelong endeavor because, again, it's about the needs of neighbor and the glory of God. It doesn't stop progress and joy in the faith when you're baptized. It certainly doesn't stop in confirmation. God wants you to progress, deepen your knowledge, know God's word, be able to share it, know Christian doctrine and the truth. To live out your life of faith and to live in good works as a forgiven and beloved child of God in Christ Jesus. To live in good works, not because you're saved by them, but because you're saved by Christ. We forget these things. So Christ's church is here to remind us. His word is here to remind us. By the ministry of word and sacrament, through preaching and teaching and pastoral care, your progress and joy in the faith is at the heart of it all. And maybe if we don't have progress or joy, it's because we're not doing those things which we were created and recreated to do. Joy is something that runs through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. In just four chapters, the word joy or rejoice appears Fourteen times. Fourteen. If you add the word glad, it comes to a total of sixteen. And why not? Because faith is a thing of joy. All kinds of joy. 
A joy knowing that whether we live or that we die, we belong to the Lord. Just like it was for Paul, it is for you. It is a joy to know that you belong to the Lord. It is a joy to know that God gives you his gifts through his church and daily and richly forgives your sins for Christ's sake. It is a joy to know that one day you will live in the presence of God's full glory. It's a joy to know that your heavenly father watches over you and cares for you. It is a joy to know that Jesus, your savior, even now is interceding for you. That means uh, he's pleading your case before the father. It's a joy to have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you by your baptism and continuing and keeping you in the Christian faith by the means of grace. It is a joy. It's a joy to be in the fellowship of the believers in the church with those who believe as you do, who are meant to support and love you. Yes, the church, congregation, it's all a part of your progress and joy into the faith. Listen to what Paul says. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, the gospel, of course, is about your salvation, but it's never intended to be just about you. There's a corporate dimension to it all. It's not just you and Jesus, that's it. Hardly. That's not the teaching of the scriptures. That's not the teaching of Christ. That's not the teaching of the apostles. But it's certainly become that way um, in modern days. You don't go it alone. You are called into the church. You are part of Christ's body in the congregation. You belong together. God's purpose is. And God's reason for that is that uh, we support one another, love one another. We each bring uh, our own individual gifts into the whole thing. It's his plan. And Paul speaks to this when he says that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. It's a plural you. And it speaks to the unity of the church and our love for one another. Standing firm in one spirit. You can't do that alone. It's easy to go off the rails because we all have our blind spots. God doesn't intend for you to do it alone. Striving side by side. You can't do that when you're off by yourself doing your own thing, doing it your own way apart what Christ has uh, built explicitly for your progression and joy in the faith. But what do we say, Nat? I'll do it myself. Thank you. Again, the Bible is filled with passages testifying to the importance of Christians sharing their life together. Uh, it's one of the uh, initiatives and emphasis of our synod. It's the teaching of Christ and his apostles. That is the way in which the Holy Spirit leads us to participate in the life of the church, both to receive from God and to give and serve others. 
standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side is at the forefront of our identity and our vocation as members of the congregation. That is God's will for us. Our reading today from Philippians calls attention to this vital aspect of the Christian life, that you and I are members of the body of Christ. We each have a part to play in our life together. But more and more, that becomes something that is more difficult for us. We each have a part to play, however, in our life together. We are called to stand with and to support one another and to strive together. It's not easy to do it on your own. We are called to have one mind and one spirit as the body of Christ, to dwell together in unity, not fighting amongst ourselves or working at cross purposes or going it alone or just saying, oh, that, that's not important. Because there is a mission to carry out together to build one another up in the faith, to serve and love one another, to support one another, care one another. We're just not a bunch of unconnected individuals, or we shouldn't be. God has woven us together in the story of Christ. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and his story and making us all part of that story and bringing us together in this place at this time as an outpost for the gospel. So, yes, we get built up here in the faith and then go out into the world, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our families, into our congregations even, changed by the gospel. Others will get to know Christ's love through us, and that is how more people will be drawn to know that love more fully. What Paul is describing here is a manner of life worthy of the gospel of Christ although we know that nothing is worthy unless it's sanctified by his blood. But it does reflect the great wonder and grace of God toward us, to what he has done, to save each one of us sinners and make us his people and use us. We find meaning, identity, and purpose in this manner of life. Our life is tied up with Christ's life now. His blood covers our sins. His resurrection guarantees your own resurrection, and his life gives meaning to your life. It's as simple as that. Christ's victory gives you courage amid struggles, amid opposition, amid disappointment, and even amid death. His word reveals God to you and fills you with hope, joy, and faith. Indeed, it is given for the explicit purpose of joy and progression in the faith. So let us continue, brothers and sisters in Christ, in our progression and joy in the faith. And you will be progressing in the faith and finding joy as you dive deeper into the simple yet profound truth that animated St. Paul. For me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and faith. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.